Welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast, episode 86, part two of what everyone should know about back pain. Let's go. Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So, if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast. This is episode 86. However, it's the part two of episode 67, what everyone should know about back pain. My name is Dave Elliott, and I'm joined by my co-host, Robert Bevan. Uh, Now, we started episode 67 as a a part one, the things that everyone should know about back pain, things Rob and myself talk to our patients day in, day out, in the clinic or on our social medias. We're going to take it away with uh, two points today. Um, Yeah, look, let's get into it. Part two, what everyone should know about back pain. So the first thing is that your back isn't fragile. Look, it's strong, it's resilient, it's adaptable. It simply doesn't just pop in and out of place. So commonly, when we're speaking to patients, uh, they've got back pain. It's common for them to imply that their back is weak or they have a weakness there. It's something we hear a lot. Often it's after an injury that may have happened a long time ago. They feel that they've had a weakness there and it's been there ever since. Phrases used might be something like, my back feels like it's made of glass or, you know, I I had an injury in 1986 and, and it's been weak ever since. But I mean, look, is this true? Can a back really be weak after injury? Uh, Do we get these things left over and hanging around in the background that stick around forever? Or um, is it something different? I mean, it can certainly feel weak. That's got to be true, right? You know, uh, the feeling isn't wrong. But did you know that a back is actually very strong? It's one of the strongest parts of the body. It's actually quite hard to injure uh, a back. Um, So look, if that's the case, how has this come about? How is this narrative of weakness and danger and, you know, that, that sword of Damocles, my back is about to go or might go if I use it too much? And to help explain that, I've got my co-host Rob on the line. How are we doing, Dave? Hi, Rob. Good, mate. So, look, how has this all come about? Well, it's it's a really common narrative that we've kind of had in our culture, and you know, just to just to kind of understand that, if you go and lift something heavy in a street, you'll probably hear someone say to you, "Oh, be careful of your back," or "Watch your back," or you know, manual handling trainings, or like protecting your spine and bend with your knees and do all. You know, we're kind of in this. What's, what's the phrase in this culture that we have where everything should be about protecting your back? You mm. know, no one ever says protect your knees when you're, you know, bend with your knees to protect them, you know, and they'll say, but don't, don't move <laughs> your back to, to protect it. And this has kind of led to this perpetual fear that the spine is inherently fragile and it can break, you know, because of the simplest movements when someone's bending down or picking something up. And I think probably one reason it's come about is because back pain can be so painful and can be so debilitating. So when someone has an episode of back pain, I mean, obviously, you can have lots of pain from other other body parts, but it can be a lot more painful than a sprained ankle or a sprained knee, which can often clear it quite quickly. And, you know, a back pain can be some of the worst pain that people have described, you know, especially back pain in sciatica. You know, people have described it as worse than childbirth, kind of worse, mm. worse than worse than kidney stones, all these type of things that people say on a, on a daily basis that their, their back pain is like. It's so much worse than these things. So I think maybe that's why. So people are more fearful of injuring it. So, you know, if you're of the belief that 
falling over or picking something up is going to cause some back pain, then of course you're going to say to people, oh, just be careful because you don't want them to experience that debilitating back pain that you experienced or that your family member experienced or your partner experienced or something like that. So I think it's probably a, a bit of a protective mechanism, really, or a bit of a, yeah, just natural, we're kind of naturally kind and caring as a society, I like to think. Hmm. But I mean, this isn't to say that the, you know, things like the manual handling or, you know, be careful when lifting something, this isn't wrong as such, uh, but, but it's not that there's a right way and a wrong way. Is that there are better ways, less better ways, ways that are good for you, but might not be good for someone else. We don't want to throw the whole thing out, do we? No, exactly. I mean, well, you say that depending on what the narrative is, it's down to the narrative, as we said the, the, the whole way through. If the narrative is around, is around, don't do this because you will cause some damage, then that's not true. You know, if we're saying, you, you know, mm. don't lift with your back, you know, firstly, what is lifting with your back? But, you know, don't lift with your back because you'll cause damage to your back. Well, we know that's not true. Is that going to trigger some pain in some people some of the time? Probably, it might do. But in the same way that bending your knees and, and lifting with your knees, you know, whatever, again, whatever that is, um, might cause knee pain in some people. You know, so it's, it's very similar to that. Um, you know, our backs put up with a huge amount of stress on a daily basis. And people often think of stress as a bad thing. You know, they think that, oh, it's done loads of work today. That must be a really bad thing. But the type of stress that we put our backs through is actually a really good thing. And this stress that we place on our bodies is how we grow and we get stronger. You know, our bones, our muscles, our joints respond to this and require this stress in order to get better and stronger. And the same way our muscles get stronger and our bones get stronger if we go to the gym. I read about this earlier, actually, looking at the strength of the arms in baseball pitchers. And baseball pitchers, their bone strength is is double what it would be in a normal person in the, in their pitching arm compared to another person because of that stress they've put through on on a on a you know daily basis since they've been you know small mm. small children pitching. So this stress and this work that we put through our bodies and especially our backs is what helps it, what makes it better, and what helps it recover from injury. You know, so if you really wanted to make your back weak, the best thing to do would be to not use it at all. You know, don't bend, don't lift, don't carry anything. It would never then be exposed to anything new. And this is quite a common strategy that people employ when they have an injury. You know, it was, it was advice that people gave out, you know, we as healthcare professionals gave out, GPs gave out. You know, if you had a back injury, we'd say, oh, go and, go and lie down for three weeks or go and rest for a period of time. You know, let your back recover, um, you know, and, and don't move it. And, you know, we've spoken about this before on the podcast. We've had patients who have never you know picked up anything heavy in 30 years because they were told 30 years ago to you know their back was weak or their back was damaged so they should never pick up anything but then of course what happens is they then try and pick something up and it hurts because they're not exposed to that lift just if you try to pitch like a baseball pitcher you're probably going to get some shoulder pain or some arm pain because <laughs> you, you you're not used to throwing 150 150 pitches on on a on a daily basis of course it's it's, it's going to hurt now, I think as a caveat, mm. some people do need to rest. And there's a very, very small percentage. I can't remember the last time I told someone to, to complete rest. I don't think I've ever told anyone to completely rest. But, you know, for very, very short terms, when we're talking about rest, we're talking about long-term rest. You know, there's no harm in taking the load off for a bit and having a sit down or lying down for, for a few minutes, as long as that's not your primary modality of recovery, I think is probably a, a, a safe to say, is a, is, a, is a safe caveat to say. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so rather than there being a, a possible weakness underlying, it's more a case of it hasn't been retrained yet or, or it hasn't been uh, given the possibility to adapt to lifting, twisting, moving, whatever it is that could make you feel like you're weak. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's a good a good point to know. It's, it's the feeling of weakness as opposed to actually being weak. You know, no matter how strong you mm. are, you can still get back pain. You know, you could get someone that can do a 500 kilo deadlift. I mean, there's only three people I think in the world, but or someone can do a, a big heavy deadlift, <laughs> yeah, and can still end up with back pain. But then, arguably, they are, or you know, they're going to be a lot stronger than the 95 year old lady or, or man that I saw earlier. But and who doesn't have any back pain? They they've come to see me with shoulder pain, and so it's not necessarily an element mm. of strength because that person hasn't lost all that strength by doing that single deadlift. It's that perception of weakness and that perception of or that feeling that they have that makes them feel weak. And then exposure to that is then an exposure to that recovery or exposure to that load again is, is a really important part of the recovery. So I suppose the difference between, let's say, world's strongest man, and I've seen those guys getting a massage. It's not a pleasant looking experience. I know they get back pain on a daily basis. I've, I've treated strong men and, and power lifters myself. Uh, Rob, you and I went to the, the Commonwealth Games, didn't we? Um, uh, to do some powerlifting bits. Yes, no, we are the we worked at the uh, yeah the world uh, the world powerlift the Commonwealth powerlifting uh, competition we did back in twenty twelve. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said it. and I thought that doesn't sound right. Um, but these guys had back pain, but they see that as a, a I suppose a normal variant on their daily activities that they train out of, they adapt and they overcome compared to someone who's not in that kind of sporting mentality, unfortunately, uh, or. or robust mentality who has back pain and then stops they go the other way down the other end of the spectrum yeah and it's and it's often you'll you'll see in these with any athlete or with any you know, take powerlifting for example you know something has changed which has led to them having that that back pain you know have they you know something's changed for the positive or for the negative they might have suddenly increased their training volume you know they've suddenly increased mm -hmm. the weight they've had less rest time their nutrition's gone down the pan, their extra stress, their sleep is really poor, they're anxious about a competition coming up. There's often this kind of change in it as well. So it's not necessarily about that lifting. It's not necessarily, I mean, it might be if they've changed their load, but that's not the cause of it. You know, we know that back pain and pain by itself is so complicated. It's so much more than just one movement, one time, one lift, anything like that. You know, we, we've spoken about this to, not even to death because we can't really say it enough, but you know, we've spoken about this at, <laughs> kind of at length before really, haven't we? Oh, 100%. It, it keeps popping up time after time, but I think it's it's <clears> worthwhile <throat> going over it every time. So I think then how do we reduce the feeling of, of weakness? And, you know, if you think about what we did with powerlifters or what we do in the clinic, you know, and this is the same advice whether you're in the clinic or not, you know, what we would do is break down those movements that people see as a trigger into smaller parts and then use that as an exercise. You know, when we, we say the word exercise, that doesn't necessarily mean going to the gym or Going for a run, it can be just a simple movement or a simple stretch or a simple activity that people can do at home to help them. So if we think mm -hmm. of something like emptying the dishwasher, you know, a lot of people will oh, tell, us, tell us that, oh, yeah, I, I hurt my back emptying the dishwasher or it always hurts when I empty the dishwasher or when I'm washing up or mowing the lawn. There's all these classic, you know, movements that people will say is often a trigger for their back pain. You know, mm. how do we break that down into smaller parts? You know, if we take empty the dishwasher, you know, that is that's bending forward. You know, bending forward, you know, hands down towards the floor, that spinal flexion, it's a squat, it's reaching forward, it's lifting something and it's standing back up again. You know, we can break down that gross movement into lots of smaller parts. So can we flex the spinal? Can we bend the spine in a, in, a, in, a, in the same way, but in a different position? You know, 
lying down on your back? Can you bring your knees towards your chest? Can you do it in a seated position, kind of hugging your knees? Can you do it in a standing position, just doing smaller movements? If we change the position of your spine, is it slightly more comfortable to do a certain movement in it? You know, we can then add load to it. We can get you to pick up a kettlebell in the clinic or a handbag with some weights in it at home or a, a small child or a small dog or something. And then we can use this at home. We can practice it and we can combine these movements together more regularly. And we gradually expose the spine or the tissues and the muscles and the joints, you know, what we call progressive overload. And we expose the spine to these and the body to these movements. And then you get used to it. You know, you adapt, you get stronger because of it. I think um, Aaron, mm. Aaron Kubel, who I think we need to get, we need to get on the podcast at some point, used an analogy of like when you go to the gym for the first time, you, it's quite normal that your hands get quite sore. And if you went and gripped a heavy barbell or a dumbbell or did loads of, did loads of pull-ups, it's quite normal that your hands would get a bit sore. They might get a bit red. They might blister. And it's because that skin isn't used to that load or that stress that you put on it. But then after a while, if you look at experienced gym go goers, you start to callous those hands. And those hands become bits of rough skin because they've been exposed to that stress and they've adapted and they've healed. And then they can then put up with the load that you put through on a daily basis. And that you know that's a, a not a perfect, but quite a good example of how the body adapts to a stress and the bone, the spines, the, you know, your joints, your muscles are all exactly the same. hundred percent. So it's your, your body's sort of reaction to the stresses you're putting onto it. Yeah, exactly. You know, look at astronauts, astronauts come back to space from space. They have reduced bone density because they haven't put stress through those bones. You know, there's no gravity in space, obviously. So, you know, the normal load or stress that's going through their bones on a daily basis when, when we're walking around, they don't have. So the bones don't need that stress. Mm. They think, well, why do we need to lay down extra bone? So they actually, you know, their bones become, when they come back, their bones are thinner than when they left. So that's why now, if you look at the astronauts in space, they have those weighted treadmills um, where they're being pulled down on the treadmill to kind of simulate gravity. So they, they can run and they can walk on a treadmill to, in an effort to stimulate those bones and those tissues to adapt to some of that load. Otherwise, we'd all, we'd all shrivel up. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, so they're creating artificial load a little bit at a time. So you're telling people out there that they have to practice putting things in the dishwasher. Not necessarily putting things in the dishwasher, but maybe exposing your body to similar movements is a good thing. You know, not being afraid of picking things up mm. off the floor. You know, does everyone need to be lifting up heavy weights all the time? Probably not. But would it help a lot of people? Probably. You know, is it going to be a trigger for pain for some people? Yes. They probably need to get some help and some advice if, if that's the cause or if that's the case. But, you know, practicing the, I say, it sounds silly, practicing emptying the dishwasher, but doing some exercises to help you, to help that not become a trigger of pain, I'd probably say yes, is, is, is important. Okay. I love it. Mm. Uh, well, look, this brings us back to the second part of that, that question. Um, so we're inherently strong. Our spines are adaptable. Um, our bodies as a whole, let's say, are adaptable if we put, gradual and increasing strain on them um so does my spine then not go in and out of place does it not need putting back into place um does it slip does it slide what's going on here yeah th they don't basically you know as we i mean they can <laughs> i think they can um but the amount of trauma that involves means you're not going to be walking in to see someone um you know when, when we're talking about spines actually going in and out of place we're talking about a dislocation and for anyone dislocated another joint in their body, okay. be that a hip or a knee or a shoulder, you know, you know about it. You're not going to be walking into a, into a, into someone's office the next day. I mean, you might do, but it's going to be a very, very rare occasion. You know, the, the levels of force mm -hmm. that are involved are, are quite significant. You know, our spines aren't 
Jenga pieces that you know easily slip in and out of place, or as David Poulter said, um, what do you say, pubic's cubes? You know, the pelvis isn't a pubic's cube that pops in and out of place. You know, can rotate and twist and <laughs> and move up and down. You know, at the slightest touch. A lot of people would kind of believe this, and a lot of people kind of feel this. You know, people come to see us and say, "My back is out," or you know, "My back popped out of place," or "It's been popped back into place by someone else." And it can certainly feel like that. You know, when you have some pain. And I'm not diminishing that. When you have some pain and something doesn't feel right, it can 100% feel like something's not in the right place. You know, you might catch, you might mm. get that horrible catching feeling, might be a sharper pain, might be a pain on certain movements when it doesn't hurt on others. So I totally agree that it, that it feels like that. But it's important to recognize that nothing is kind of, it is out of place. And I think when we, we dedicated a whole episode to it, didn't we? And we said that this probably just comes around from historical modes of treatment, you know, especially spinal ni- manipulation. When someone talks about, realigning a spine or a pelvis they're often referring to a spinal manipulation an adjustment a, a back crack whatever whenever people refer it people's preferred um terminology is, is for that <laughs> you know and so chiros osteos physios and other professionals who used to offer or who, who might offer spinal manipulation historically we used to use a, a bone out of place model so when a patient came in with pain we'd tell them their spine was out of a line we'd pop it back into place and it kind of felt better but we know research has moved on a lot since that. And we know that manipulation doesn't really kind of act or doesn't at all act, act in that way, does it? Mm. So, I mean, here's a question we get asked though quite a lot. And, and this gets batted back to us by practitioners as well. What's the problem then with calling it something different? So uh, we now know scientifically there is no bone in and then out, you know, no pushing back into place but what's the problem with calling it that? Why, why can't we just use that analogy? Because it's an easy one, right? Everyone kind of understands, oh, something's out. It needs to be put back in. Why can't we just use that knowing what we know and just keep doing the same thing? Oh, it's definitely easier. It's definitely easier to use that as a therapist and say, it's, <laughs> we, we'd say, I'll pop yeah. it back in. We're all good now. But I think we started this podcast to improve myths, to bust myths, misconceptions, whatever you want to call it. And the reason that I think that we should change this narrative is that these false beliefs can promote fear avoidance behavior, which is people being afraid of doing certain movements because their back is going to go out of place. And then a dependency on a certain type of practitioner to help realign it or kind of put it back in. And that should never be the case. You know, as clinicians and therapists, we should be helping people to improve their resilience and letting know, let them, letting them know what they can do. And then coming up with a plan to kind of help them achieve that and showing people that our spines and hips can cope really well with the day-to-day stresses that we place on them and they don't pop out every time we sneeze or we you know, serve a, in a tennis match or whatever it says. It's, it's normal to accumulate <laughs> little injuries and stiff bits. And yes, things can really, really hurt sometimes, but that doesn't mean things pop in and out of place. So I think we should always be aiming for the truth. And you know, whilst back pain can be hugely complicated, you know, letting people know, help people understand you know, as well as we know what the evidence says is really, really important and helping people understand that helps them recover better, helps them understand pain, helps them know what they can do, helps them get back to doing their activities with less fear and helps them move more. So that, I think that's kind of where we, where we come from. It sounds a bit more altruistic, really, but it's not. It's just about kind of improving, improving myths, isn't it? And, uh, and stopping this, these mm. myths perpetuate through, through our society. Hey, look, we've not been rocking around on this big earth uh, for hundreds of thousands of years as bipedal um, <coughs> apes without, with bits of bone hanging out, with, with backs out of place, not able to lift our boulders, not able to drag our antelopes back to our caves. Um, 
<laughs> this sort of terminology I think only does damage when we say oh I popped in you know oh I've popped my back out it just sounds so flimsy it sounds so weak exactly and it. kind of transient yeah. exactly it makes Whereas it sound flimsy say, when oh, it's not that's it I, I've irritated a joint in my back oh well irritations come and go right so I can I can calm that down and I can gradually carry a smaller antelope back to my cave for a few days and, and rock up to the bigger antelopes as we go um i completely agree rob funnily enough good i'm, I'm glad mate it's funny it's almost like we've spoken about this before actually on uh on on, on who would have thought eh? yeah on, on on various episodes so you know and that's that's it that's exactly what you <laughs> yeah. said you know we are resilient we're strong we're adaptable we put up with stresses very very well on a day-to-day -day basis yes sometimes things hurt you know and that's a that is a part of life um, you know, pain is normal to some extent, you know, doesn't mean it's good. doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, but you know, pain day to day is normal. You know, 80% of the population will have some severe back pain, you know, moderate to severe back pain at some point in their lives. That's a huge number of people. So it's, it's, it's you could arguably say that back pain is a normal part of life as opposed to there's a problem every time you have back pain. And that's a, an interesting way to look mm -hmm. at it. It kind of flips it on its head from back pain is always, always a sign of a problem and always a sign of a damage when we know it's not. You know, you can have severe back pain with no damage, and you can have you know severe damage with no pain at all. Um, you know, which is a whole a whole another whole another talking point about pain. But <laughs> but you know that again. God, save it for the part three of crikey. Yeah, so that's what we're about, isn't it? It's just about you know stopping these false narratives and making people more resilient and better, and uh, you know help them get out of pain. That's it. So look, if you're listening at home and you say those words to yourself, I've popped my back out or I've put my back out, change your internal monologue. I've irritated a joint ligament or structure in my lower back. I'm going to allow it to calm down and then I'm going to gradually return to activity. That's a huge, huge internal mind shift um, <clears throat> towards getting better long-term comparative to the very passive, I've put my back mm. out, I can't do anything about yeah. it. Until yeah. I get help. Well, from a I love hearing about this. Yeah, and, oh, sorry, and then all, all the other thing as well, which we didn't say, it also then promotes that self-resilience and that self-efficacy of kind of people helping to look after themselves, which is what we want. You know, it, it, people might think, oh, we want to see everyone who's ever got back pain immediately. When actually, you know, I say this to patients, you know, I'm here if you need me, but my, it sounds really bad to say, but my dream is that one day you wake up with back pain <laughs> and then you go, oh, Rob told me all that stuff about back pain last time it happened. So I know exactly what to do now. And then I'm going to try this exercise. I'm going to keep moving. I put some heat on it. I went to work. I did all the things I'd normally do. It's actually a lot better. Or if it's not better in a couple of days or weeks, I can give Rob a call. And then, and then he can then help me if I need to. And that's kind of the, the approach which I, I, I help with my patients. Or that, that's what I want them. You know, I don't want them to, when someone wakes up at 7 a.m. With, with back pain, to ring me straight away. And that might sound brilliant from a business model, but, you know, that's not, that's not what we're about. It's about kind of, you know, promoting that, education of patients so they're able to handle themselves you know mm. if someone's got pain at 3 a.m they can't ring you you know what are they going to do you know so you better hope you know that we've taught them some some ways to self-manage their back pain amen i love it rob if people like hearing about all this where can they hear even more even more oh head on over to thebackpainpodcast.com where you can see all of our episodes and blog posts and links to our social media and more if you are not a website person and want to head over straight to social media, you can head to Twitter um, at the Back Pain Pod or Instagram, where we post a lot of this information on Instagram in nice, pretty pictures. I guess you'd call it nice, pretty. 
publication. Um, <laughs> in infographics? In, in, that's yeah. what I look for. Nice, <laughs> nice pretty pictures, infographics. Um, we are at the Backpain Podcast on Instagram. Uh, that's probably the best, the, the best places to find out more about us. What if they want to ask us a question? Oh, email us at, no, email us, hello at the Backpain Podcast. So we get lots of questions that people email. If it's a really good question, we might dedicate an entire episode to it as well or reach out on one of those social media platforms we mentioned earlier. Um, if you yeah have any questions about an episode or anything we've said or would just like us to do an episode on something, reach out. Love it. Perfect. Right, so that has been part two of what we wish everyone or what we want everyone to know about back pain. I hope that's provided some good takeaways as we said, any questions, reach out and we will do our very best to get back to you as soon as possible. So that's it from me. I've been Rob. I've been Dave. Brilliant. Nicely timed. That's my fault. <laughs> Good. And we will catch you on the next episode. Over and out. Goodbye, guys.